Prayer is one of the greatest privileges we have as Christian believers. Today, we'll be learning how to pray for release of wisdom and grace in our lives. This message is the fourth in the series, Talk to Me. The message is entitled, Prayers That Release Wisdom and Grace. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets. We're involved in a series of messages called Talk to Me. And I want to talk to us this weekend about praying for something very specific in your life, learning to pray for wisdom and grace, praying for wisdom and praying for grace. The Bible says of Jesus that in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That as he was growing up, he increased in several things. As he was born into the family of Joseph and Mary, uh, as he continued to grow, he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Say that with me. In wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Of course, wisdom involves his understanding of things. And as he grew older, we find him at 12 years of age in the temple inquiring about the things of the law and spending time with the Pharisees there talking in stature. That's obviously his physical growth. He was just growing physically uh, until he came to maturity as, a, as a, a man, the man of God that he was. And then in favor with God and man represents something called grace. And so what I want to talk to you about this weekend, I want to talk to you about how you can increase in wisdom and favor. I can't do much about your stature, okay? You are kind of what you are in terms of that. I wish, you know, I could take like a pill and grow a little bit taller myself. I can't help your stature. You are what you are. But I do want to talk to you about how to increase in wisdom and in grace or wisdom and favor. I want you to know tonight that one of the greatest things you'll ever have in your life is the wisdom of God and the favor of God. There's nothing better than God's wisdom and nothing better than God's favor. Wisdom will save you a lot of pain. Amen? And favor will open a lot of doors. And so if you have the wisdom of God and the favor of God working in your life, you need to do everything possible to make sure that in your journey with God, those two things are always at work in your life, that you're making sure you're getting God's wisdom, not leaning to your own understanding, as the Bible says, your own wisdom, and finding favor with God and with man because when that occurs, I promise you, amazing things happen in your life. And one of the ways that you and I discover and move into wisdom and favor is we do it by, by prayer. You have to pray your way into wisdom and pray your way into God's not earning his favor, but connecting with his favor. You don't earn the favor of God. It's something that's freely given to you by God, but you have to pray your way into it to experience the fullness of it. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about how to pray your way, how to talk to God about becoming a wiser person and a person that God can favor. See, it's not just to, see, God can only favor certain kinds of people. Amen? So you have to kind of live a certain way if you want God's favor. You're not earning it, but there's a, what I would call sort of positioning yourself for it. You're not earning the favor of God, but you're positioning yourself for it to happen in your life. So I'm going to share with you four things this weekend that will help you to pray your way to wisdom and favor or wisdom and grace. Number one, the first thing you need to know when you need wisdom. Know when you need wisdom. One of the saddest things in life is being foolish and not realizing it. Actually, it's sadder than even being foolish. It's one thing to be foolish and somebody says, well, I, I know I'm a fool, I'm just a fool. 
But it's another thing when someone really goes through their entire life or certain portions of their life acting the fool or behaving in foolish manners or making foolish decisions with no clue, with not even aware of it at all. They're just sort of trucking along with life and they think they're making wise decisions when all along they're making foolish decisions. And so because they haven't learned how to properly process the wisdom of God, they are, see the Bible says, is the way that seems right to a man, but in the end thereof is the way of death. So sometimes things can seem right to you when they're not. You ever had something seem right to you and later you realize it wasn't right at all? Have your feelings ever led you astray? Come on, tell the truth. Okay. All of us have had that. And so you have to understand the difference between what you think is wise and what really is wise. And one of the greatest things you will ever experience in life is the wisdom of God. I'm going to ask you to read some verses together with me. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11. Let's read together aloud and loudly. Here we go. Wise choices will watch over you understanding will keep you safe. Now, that, that alone enough is enough to make you want wisdom, right? Because wise choice is going to watch over you, care for you, and understanding will keep you safe in life. Proverbs 4, verse 7, read this one together. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So the Bible says if you'll get wisdom, it's the wisest, greatest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. What is good judgment? It's the ability to make good decisions. That's really what life, life is all about, your decisions. And so good judgment is the capacity to make good, good decisions with your life. Proverbs 9, verse number 12. Read this one with me. Let's all read it a little bit louder. Help me out here tonight. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Did you get that? If you become wise, it is to your benefit. That is, there are, there, there are perks that go along with wisdom. You become wise, certain benefits come your way. And if you scorn wisdom, if you don't really embrace wisdom, then you're going to experience pain. You're the one that's going to suffer. suffer. So here's kind of the question for you, perks or pain? Yeah, perks, amen, okay? I choose that one. Perks or pain, what do you want? Because your life is going to be a sequence of perks or a sequence of pain based upon your wisdom. Now, life has enough pain in and of itself, amen? I mean, we, we have life just gives you pain, and so there's no way that you can avoid pain in life, but you can avoid some pain in life by gaining wisdom. Now, here are four reasons why you need wisdom. These are not on your notes, so you can just listen to me, or you can write them down if you'd like to on your notes there somewhere. But four reasons why you need wisdom. Number one, you need wisdom to handle daily decisions, because every day you're making decisions along uh, your life journey, and as a part of the series, I'm going to actually talk about how to pray your way through your daily decisions. So we'll spend a whole time, a whole message on that as a part of this series together. Second of all, you need wisdom to carry out your assignments and responsibilities. God's given you some assignments and responsibilities in your life right now, and you need wisdom to be able to carry those out. You have a job, right? You need wisdom from God to fulfill your job. You may be a parent. You need wisdom to know how to be a good parent. That's an assignment that God's given to you. You're a husband or a wife. You need wisdom to be the best spouse you can be. You are a friend to someone. You need wisdom to be a good friend. And so to carry out whatever assignments God has given you. Number three, number three is to actually make good decisions with life because sometimes life brings decision points, right? 
You got to choose A or B, or you got to choose A and B or C and D, or you have to make choices along the way in terms of what your decision points are going to be. And so, you, will I take this job or that job, or will I buy this house or that house, or will I make this purchase or that purchase? And so, you need wisdom in those decisions that, that, that you make. And then, fourthly, to make the most of your time and opportunities. You're given time, and so the Bible says that we're to use our time wisely, and to use your time wisely wisely means that you have to have wisdom, right? You can't use your time wisely if you don't have wisdom. So, you need to know, basic foundational tonight, you need to know when you need wisdom. Number two, you need to know when you need grace. God's grace really is this. The grace of God, I've already said it, I'll say it again, is the favor of God. Say it with me. The grace of God is the favor of God. Same word, charis is the Greek word where we get our word charisma from, which means gifting or charismatic. Giftings is another word that's used there. And so, grace, favor, these are words that are used uh, in, in, in similar ways, actually the same way. There's synonyms that are used in our English language from the Greek term charisma. Now, grace is important because without grace, listen closely, without grace, from God in my life, I cannot receive anything from God, right? Because if I'm going to get anything from God, it's going to be by His grace. I can't experience anything of God because if I'm going to experience God in my life, it's going to be by grace, and I cannot interact with God except by grace. Why? Because I'm a sinner. How about you? And so if I as a sinner want to receive anything from God or experiencing anything of God or interact with God because I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm dysfunctional, I can't interact with Him, I can't receive from Him without grace because that grace is what makes me qualified to be in God's presence or receive whatever God has for me. And so, grace is essential. That's why the songwriter wrote those wonderful words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but uh, now I am found. Grace found me. I was blind, but now I see. And so the songwriter understood the amazing nature of the grace of God. Now, grace, the good news is grace is something that is extended to us from God. God is a gracious God, and God gives grace to people. That's what God does. He is a gracious God, and because He's a gracious God, He gives what He is, and He gives grace out of His gracious nature. And grace is a very real thing. When you have grace or favor, it is something that is real. It's not just some mystical thing. It is something that has impact upon your life. You're, the grace of God forgave your sins. That's real, isn't it? Okay? The grace of God gave you access to eternal life. That's real, isn't it? If you know Christ as Lord of your life, when you die, you have eternal life, and that's because of God's grace given you. So God is a gracious God, and out of His grace, He pours out grace upon us, and that grace is very real. It accomplishes real things in our lives. That's why you need grace and favor, because it does stuff for you. When God's grace is on your life and God's favor is on your life, it does stuff for you. It impacts your life. It's not just some theological concept. It has weight. It has power. It has capacity. There's something of, of a dunamis of God in the grace of God. That's why 
God spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, you're weak, but in your weakness, I'm going to show you how strong I am because my grace has power. My grace has capacity. So you need God's grace. You need God's favor. Let me give you six times or six, six things that require the grace of God in your life. I don't believe these are on your notes either, but uh, I'm, I'm using up all your white space tonight, okay? You need grace when you fail, amen? You make a mistake, what do you need? Grace from God. You make a mistake with a person, what do you need? You need their grace. And so anytime you fail, you need grace. I'll tell you another time you need grace, when you succeed, because when you succeed, if you don't have grace, you will not handle your, success, your successes gracefully. I've seen success destroy a lot of people, haven't you? Because in the midst of their grace, they begin to embrace their success. In the midst of their success, they begin to embrace their success as being of them rather than by the grace of God. And suddenly it turns actually sour in their lives and, and results in something called pride. And so you need grace when you fail. You need grace when you succeed. You need grace for your opportunities in life because God gives you opportunities that you have in your life that are right now. You need grace to handle those. You need grace for your own spiritual and emotional power. Power. You're not going to have any power in your life spiritually or emotionally without grace. The fifth way reason you need grace is because you need grace to forgive others, right? If you don't have grace, you don't have anything to give, right? So you can't give grace to others unless you've received grace. And then I'll, the last one I'll mention here is you need grace to be, to be generous. You can't be generous with your life until you learn what grace is. The more you discover of the grace of God, the more generosity will flow from your life. You'll become a more generous person. So my first two points, know when you need wisdom and know when you need grace, all right? Here's the third thing. Now I'm going to move you into prayer. Everybody with me so far? We're good to go? The third thing is ask for wisdom, ask for grace with expectation and anticipation. When you know that you need wisdom and you know that you need grace, then you go to God and you ask Him for wisdom and you ask Him for grace, but you have expectation and anticipation that He's actually going to answer you. Because as I'm going to show you, God promises to answer our prayers for wisdom and grace. He promises this to those that ask him. Let's talk about wisdom first of all. I'll take you to a classic story in the Bible uh, that most of you are familiar with. There are, let me take you back to the history of Israel. There, were, there was the first king of, of Israel, Saul, and he uh, was 40 years in, in his reign, and then David took over. He's 40 years in his reign, and then David's son, Solomon, becomes king. David was the warrior. David was the one that went out and conquered territory and established Israel's kingdom beyond boundaries that it had ever known before. And so basically he turns over the kingdom to Solomon. And when, king, when Solomon receives it, Solomon's never had to fight for much of anything at all. I mean, he's had a pretty, fairly easy life, okay? And so he's never had to sort of earn his way. He has a peaceful kingdom, and David has conquered all these enemies around him. And so Solomon really didn't know what to do. He had no clue. He had no idea how to be king because he lived in the time of his father fighting many battles, and he didn't know what he was supposed to. He had no concept of how to be the king of Israel at all. But Solomon knew what he didn't know. Isn't it good to know? Sometimes the best thing you can do in life is learn what you don't know. 
Because if you can learn what you don't know, you learn how to get what you need, okay? And so Solomon, didn't, Solomon knew what he didn't have. He didn't have wisdom. And so God comes to him, as we're going to see in a moment, and, and asks him about what he wanted as he was, began his reign as the king of Israel. And Solomon was wise enough to pray this prayer. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. I'll read this for you. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wouldn't that be great if God just showed up tonight at your house and said, what do you want? Whatever you want me to give you, I'll give it to you, okay? Now, some of us, I'll tell you, some of you, you'd blow that opportunity. You'd ask for a car or you'd ask for another wife or you'd ask for some stupid thing like that, okay? But Solomon understood it. Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom. So he's, God said, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you've not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people whom I've, who, for, over whom I've made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, possession, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. Isn't God an amazing God? He said, yeah, you asked for the right things. So I'm going to give you a bunch of other stuff too. You get the bonus prize, okay, because you, your heart was where, where it needed to be. Now, I want to give you some proof that Solomon received this. A number of years later, the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Let's see if God really did answer. Let's see if God really performed what he said he was going to do for Solomon in giving him wisdom. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. So, in other words, we're going to check this guy's wisdom out. Ask him some hard questions. Arriving with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I have heard in my country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You have far exceeded the report I heard. So here's my question. Did God answer Solomon's prayer? Even the Bible's record of Solomon in 1 Kings 4 verse 30 talks about in this way. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of of Egypt, that is saying a lot, because Egypt was known for its, its its universities and its capacity of knowledge at that point in time in history. So Solomon's wisdom exceeded that. The Bible's testimony. So God answered Solomon's prayer. So now I know what you're saying right now. Some of you say, "Well, yeah, that, that, that's Solomon." Okay, that's not me. But I want you to know that is this: 
what God did for Solomon, God will do for you. Because Solomon had rulership over a kingdom, right? And every person here, you have rulership over something. There's something that's been put in your hand right now to rule over. Now let me change the word, manage, okay? That might be more comfortable. God's given you something in your life to manage. First of all, your life. You've got to manage your life, right? And so you need wisdom to rule or manage whatever is your kingdom, okay, whatever it is that you have responsibility over in life. And if God did it for Solomon for his kingdom duties, he will do it for you in your management duties of life. James tells us this. Read this together with me and get ready to claim this promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen, because this is good. Go ahead and tell him, listen, this is good, okay? James 1, 5 through. Let's all read together. Here we go. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, asking for wisdom is not enough. You also have to be hungry for it. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. I do you want to read Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 6 for you? And I'm going to tie this into something I'm going to teach you about in just a moment. But let me lay the foundation for it right now. Listen to Proverbs 8, 1 through 6. Wisdom calls to you like someone shouting. Understanding raises her voice. On the hilltops along the road and at the crossroads she stands calling. Beside the city gates at the entrances into the city she calls out. That's wisdom. Listen. Everyone, the key word there is listen, circle that, okay? You're not going to gain wisdom unless you, I'm going to tell you folks, you never will get wise unless you, if you don't listen, you don't get it, right? Listen, everyone, I am calling out to you. Again, wisdom is calling out to you. I am shouting to all people, you who are uneducated, seek wisdom. You who are foolish, get understanding. Here's the word again. What is it? Listen, because I have important things to say. What I tell you is right. So wisdom says, you, if you're going to get me, you're going to have to listen. Now, God not only promises to give you wisdom when you pray, you need to expect it and anticipate it, listen for it, but he also gives you grace when you pray for it. Favor. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them and sinned. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need. And so here it says that we can come boldly to the throne of God, the throne of grace, and find God's mercy and God's grace to help us in times of need. And so what I want you to see tonight is that when you pray for wisdom, what will God do? He will give it to you. And when you pray for grace, what will God do? He will give it to you. Romans chapter 8, 31 and 32. 
So what do you think with God on our side like this? How can we lose if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son? Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? So God has promised that when you pray for wisdom and grace, you need to expect that he's going to answer and anticipate that he's going to actually respond to you. So expectation anticipation when you pray. Here's our last point together where we're going to wrap all this up. The fourth thing is that when you pray for wisdom and grace, you have to begin to look for the answers. If you believe that God's going to answer you when you pray for wisdom and grace, what will you do after you've prayed? Come on, help me out. What will you do? You start looking, right? Okay, I prayed for wisdom, right? So if I prayed for wisdom and God told me he was going to give it to me, so now it's my job to look and listen, right? I've got to, if I ask him for wisdom, he's going to put some things in my pathway that I can see and some people in my pathway or some things in my pathway that I can listen to. And if I'm going to get the wisdom, I'm going to look and listen for the wisdom because I believe he's going to answer. If I'm going to get the grace and favor, I'm going to start looking for and listing out for the grace and favor of God. That's the demonstration of my faith, my expectation and anticipation. Let's talk about how you pray your way into wisdom. I'm going to give you uh, six points here. I believe these are on your notes. Are they on your notes? Okay, these are on your notes, so this, this will help you. The first thing in your prayer for wisdom, you've got to pray your way into a point where you surrender your will to God's will. The key word there is surrender. Surrender means you give it up. You get to the place in your life where you're not living for you anymore. Because as long as you're living for you, you can't get God's wisdom because you will always be living by your wisdom. You will always let what you want supersede what God's want, God wants, and your voice will always drown out God's voice. It doesn't matter how much you say you want God's wisdom. If you haven't truly surrendered yourself to the wisdom of God, I tell you what you will hear. I don't care who you are. If you haven't truly surrendered yourself to the will of God, you will always hear what you want instead of what God wants. That's going to happen. I don't care how spiritual you are. How much you think you may be right, that's going to happen to you. So it has to come to the point where you get to the place of saying, God, I don't care what my life is, myself. All I want is what you want. That's the only thing I want is what you want. I want your will above anything else. I talked a few weeks ago about yes, no, never, later, right? We talked about that. So surrender, letting go of that. Second thing, you have to get into God's Word and let God's Word get to you. That is, you're not going to have wisdom. You can't think like the world and have the wisdom of God. Amen? You can't be saturated in the media of the world and expect from the media of the world to hear the wisdom of God. You can't say, God, I need to hear your voice. I'm going to watch a little television. No, it doesn't work that way, right? If you're, going to need, if you're going to get the wisdom of God, you've got to go to the source, the source book of that wisdom, which is the Bible. And one of the things that I do in praying for wisdom, I actually start praying the Bible. I actually turn portions of the Bible into my prayer times. I actually pray sections of Scripture. Because when you're praying God's Word, you're always praying God's will. You never have to question whether you're praying the will of God when you're praying the Word of God because the Word of God is the, will, the revealed will of God to us. And so you get into the Word, let His Word get into you. Number three, read it with me. Quiet your spirit and soul from 
frantic thoughts. I want you to circle that word frantic. I want to talk about that word just for a moment, frantic thoughts. Frantic thoughts, don't, don't confuse it. I, may, I perhaps should have used a different word there uh, because that word doesn't fully describe the point I want to make to you. By frantic, what I'm, the point I'm trying to, to help you to see here is that when, when you are feeling like you've got to make something happen, okay, and you've got to sort of drive it to happen, and you've got to force it to happen or drive it to happen, and there's something that's in you that is pushing you to make something happen without proper guidance, that's frantic, okay? That's when you're trying to get a... I'll say it another way. When you are actually, you don't realize this at times, but you're getting ahead of God. Anybody ever gotten ahead of God? God, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I sure hope you bless it. Okay. Now, we may not even say that, but by our actions, we kind of start taking steps and moving in directions before we've really known the guidance of God in our life. And what happens, you get out ahead of God. Folks, I tell you, that's a scary place to be. That's a scary place. Now, will God leave you? No, God's going to leave you, okay? God doesn't leave his kids. Great to know that, right? But we get into unnecessary situations when we get out ahead of God and out of, and out of our own frantic nature and our driving of our own spirit. Number four, seek and listen to mature godly advice. I will tell you that one, the greatest source of wisdom in your life will come from the Bible and from the godly people that are around you. And I'll, I'll say it this way. You need some godly people in your life that you trust enough to listen to. Right? I mean, trust enough to really listen to. Because if you don't trust them enough to listen to them, then why have them? You need to find someone that you trust enough to listen to because you can see the fruit of their life. You can see the depth of their relationship with God. You can know that there's some weightiness to their spiritual experience. And so as you're coming along in your spiritual experience, you're able to lean into someone that has a weightier experience with God and draw from them because I will tell you, the best education you will get will be an education from somebody else. Because if you can learn from somebody else, it saves you from learning by your own pain, and by your own problems. I would much prefer to, le to learn from your mistakes because I get a free education, right? And I would much prefer to learn from your successes because learning from your successes, I still get a free education. So I'm not having, I'm learning things. And so the key thing is you have to be able to seek and listen to mature godly advice in your life. Number five, use the mind God gave you. I, Christians sometimes just baffle me. They make stupid decisions. Anybody ever, ever seen something like that? Right? That's just stupid decisions. And I want to say, where was your brain? Did you have a brain when you made that decision? Because while sometimes God asks you to do things that, that challenge our rationale at some level, he, does, he gave you a brain to process things and to utilize with, a con, with the infiltration of Scripture, getting God's Word into you, the influence of the right people in your life, then God will use your mind to help you make decisions along the way if you use good common sense. Don't, dis, don't discard good reasoning and don't discard good common sense. And number six, be patient. Be patient. 
I'm going to give you a statement here. You may want to write it down if you have the opportunity and have the, can do it quickly. Remember the journey to wisdom is just as important as the wisdom. The journey to wisdom is actually what leads to the discovery of wisdom. Most people say, give me the wisdom, don't want the journey. But actually it's the journey to wisdom that makes you wise. And so that means that you have to be patient along the way because it's not about just getting to a destination. It's about going through a process, and processes always require patience. Amen? Every process requires patience. Let's talk about how God answers your prayer for for grace, okay? Number one, He helps you. Aren't you glad that God gives assistance and support to make things bearable, to give you the capacity that He can give you. He fights battles for you when you pray for grace. He opens and closes doors for you. Isn't that great to know? There are doors that only God can open in your life. And there are doors that you better be thankful that God closes in your life, okay? Because that's grace. When God shows up and helps you, that's grace. When God fights battles for you, what is that? That's grace. When God opens a door for you that you could not open for yourself, what is that? That's grace. When God shuts a door down that needs to be shut down, you may not like it, but He shuts the door down, what is that? That's grace. When He washes your conscience, what is that? What does that mean? It means that He forgives your sins. He gives you a clean conscience before God. And when He gives you new godly desires, what is that? That's grace. What I mean by that is this. Grace doesn't give you an excuse to sin. When real grace is working in your life, it gives you freedom from sin, okay? Boy, that's a whole teaching in and of itself, okay? Because a lot of people, well, I'm living in grace. I can sort of do what I want because God will forgive me. That's not the grace I read about in the Bible, okay? Because real grace, when it works in your life, in fact, the Bible said, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid, because real grace in your life, in fact, uh, Titus chapter 2 says that grace working in you teaches you to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. And so real grace changes your desires on the inside. You know what? When, I, when, I, when grace is working in me, there are a lot of things that aren't even a temptation to me anymore because I want God so much, I love Him so much that I don't want those things anymore. And so my love for God because of His grace draws me out of attraction to other things in life. And so Grace is what gives you new godly desires to please Him. And so, how do we talk to God in a way that results in wisdom and grace? Number one, know when you need wisdom. Number two, know when you need grace. Number three, act with expectation and anticipation. And number four, look for the answers. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word tonight. We thank you for speaking to us, Lord, this evening. I pray that your word would go deeply into the hearts of your people. I pray that it would speak, Lord, deeply to the needs of our life right now. Help us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to find deeper levels of wisdom and grace, favor from you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. 
You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.